This episode of the Sunday Salon is sponsored by Number Three London Dry Gin, the only gin to have ever been voted world's best gin four times. Containing just six botanicals, it brings together the perfect refreshing balance of juniper, citrus and spice, ideal for the ultimate dry martini, or, my favourite, a gin and tonic. Distilled in Holland, the home of gin, it took them two years to create their masterpiece, working with master distillers, top mixologists and Dr David Cluton, the only man to hold a PhD in gin. The perfect addition to any drinks trolley, number three is available to purchase at selected stores nationwide, including Waitrose and Berry Brothers and Rudd, for £35. Discover gin just as it should be. Hello and welcome to The Sunday Salon, a podcast celebrating brilliant books and the women who write them. My name is Alice Azania Jarvis, and each week I chat to an inspiring female author about her work, her career, how she writes, what she reads, and everything in between. I'm interested in the stories behind the stories, and the joy that books can bring, no matter what genre or style. My guest this week is the writer and illustrator Flo Perry, whose hugely popular comic drawings you may recognise from her time at BuzzFeed. She's just published her first book, How to Have Feminist Sex, a fairly graphic guide, which she both wrote and illustrated, and which is exactly what the title describes, a guide to being more open about sex, taking in everything from fake orgasms to consent to pubic hair. It's funny, clever and surprising, so I'm thrilled to have her on. So Flo, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Thanks for having me. Um, Let's start with the book. How would you describe it and what made you write it and illustrate it? Uh, I hope that it's both substance and style. (laughs) It's funny and it's a good looking book, but also I think think everyone can learn something from it. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, it's about having feminist sex, which mm. I describe as having the sex that you want to be having mm. rather than the sex that you think you should be having. Mm. And hopefully it will challenge some beliefs that you hold about sex that you might have been like in- taught or it's infused into your brain from mm. porn or me- like our media generally or even your mm. parents. Mm. And it should hopefully give you a fresh perspective on what sex can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I mentioned in the introduction, you've done both the words and the illustrations, which are brilliant, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. You're also a journalist and you were a, a, an editor at BuzzFeed for a while. Um, had you always wanted to be a writer? Were you a big bookworm as a child? No. Uh, no, I wanted to be a fashion designer. Oh, really? Yeah, when I was a child. Um, and then I decided that I just wanted a normal job. So I did a chemistry degree. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I came to this through a very unorthodox path. Uh, what what made you not want to be a fashion designer anymore? Well, I just I, I heard that it was like difficult. You had to work really hard. <laughs> <laughs> you might not make it. And also, I'm not very like neat, so I, I wasn't very good at sewing. And I was good at science at school. And when you're good at science at school, they kind of push you to do that. I suppose because they so think how, it's impressive. <laughs> how did the journalism come about? What was your path into that? Um, well, I just got really, really bored doing chemistry at university mm. um, because it's really boring. And I did student journalism. Right. I did where, where were you at university? Durham, right. which is also really boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I joined the tab, which was really fun. And I felt like it was, it was just more fun than anything I'd done at uni. So I yeah. kept doing that. 
that so the tab is the tabloid for universities is that yes yeah, like right? the nationwide yeah tab thing yeah. it's got its own issues but it was really fun <laughs> when i did it yeah and then when it came to kind of going into the that world professionally mm. uh how did you kind of translate the student journalism into carving out a career I think professional is quite a strong word for, <laughs> for what I was doing at BuzzFeed. <laughs> um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was tricky. Uh, BuzzFeed was very haphazard, and that was the only proper job I've ever had. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't like a big leap. <laughs> I went from being edited by someone one year older than me to being edited by someone two years older than me. Like, it was, yeah, it was really fun, but it wasn't. No one had like proper training. <laughs> mm, mm. And what about the illustration? Is that something that you've always done and had an aptitude for? Because you incorporated it into your work at BuzzFeed as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've always drawn as a hobby. I think most children draw, and then every people stop at different ages, and I didn't stop. And then yeah, when I was at BuzzFeed, I was like, oh, I can draw. Mm. And they were like, great here's a Wacom tablet which is like really expensive and lovely because they had like loads of money at the time and I was like oh my god this is amazing and then I just like learned on the job so like my early drawings at BuzzFeed are really awful <laughs> but then I got better and then yeah and then I kept doing it. And you've illustrated two other books as well The Girl's Guide to Growing Up Great uh, written by Sophie Elkin and Remember This When You're Sad by Maggie Van Eyck. Mm-hmm. How did those come about? They were both through BuzzFeed. Sophie just saw my work and really liked it and was like, mm. I want this person to illustrate my book. So mm. that was great. Mm. And I worked with Maggie at BuzzFeed. So, mm. yeah, they were both just from putting my work out there through BuzzFeed. Uh, one of the things, and I was saying this in the lift on the way out, that sort of surprised and delighted me about your book was that it was very humorous. And it's quite interesting because it's not just that the words are humorous. I mean, they are witty, but the, the pictures are also humorous I always find funny people quite fascinating because (laughs) it is a very particular skill have you always been someone who's funny have you always tried to make people laugh yeah I think that for some of us it's uh, an innate desire to have attention and be appreciated (laughs) within that only comes from other people laughing at you I think yeah it's something I remember definitely as a teenager trying to make everyone laugh at school and stuff does it take a degree of confidence as well to put your humour out there? Because, I mean, I you know, it's one thing me thinking I'm funny. <laughs> but, you know, most people probably don't. <laughs> so you have to take a, a leap of faith. Are there times when you sort of think, God, I don't actually know if this really is amusing? Or yeah, not? literally every single time. Mm. It, it's, writing jokes is horrible. Because mm. you write a joke, like, for this book, you're like, obviously I wrote hundreds of jokes. And you write it and you're like, oh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I made myself laugh. Great. And then because it's a book, you have to read it 25 times. <laughs> and the la- and like, when you read it even twice, you're like, oh, I remember thinking that was funny before. Because jokes are surprises. They're like you set it up and then you have an unexpected outcome. That's what a structure of a joke is. Mm. And when you know what is coming, it's not funny anymore. Mm. And suddenly it's like, yeah, you think, oh, I can just tell I'm trying to be funny. but uh, So, yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> It's completely nerve-wracking. So thank you so much for saying that my book is funny. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. So where did the idea for the book come from? Um, I think I've 
I'm a really nosy person that's really interested in sex. I kind of think that everyone is most interested in sex over everything else, so maybe everyone else is lying. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I was I always like want to talk about it. I'm always the person at the parties like let's play never have ever. I want to find out what all you guys get up to. Um and then yeah, I did a lot of reading about sex. Um I kind of started reading like more academic like psychological books about like sex and everything to do with it and I was like god this is so interesting it's like I'm learning so much I want to put this into the world in a way that is fun mm. basically we've seen quite a lot of books about kind of sex and the female anatomy and ranging from everything to we had Lynn Enright who wrote Vagina on the podcast before and um, we've had Emma Barnett talking about her book period and much more of a discussion of obviously Me Too brought about loads of discussions of consent and so forth. Mm. But Me Too aside, why do you think that we're revisiting, well, visiting, I suppose, this territory now? Um, I think that it's just, it's time that's come along. I think there's just such a stigma around women's sex lives and sex in general because of like millennia of it being a mm. source of shame because of no organized religion and you know women being men's property where our purity and our fertility was our only value and you know that happened for thousands of years mm. and then you know we've had a few decades of fun but it's not quite <laughs> there yet and mm. i think that yeah it's just these things take time and this is this is time now mm. Mm. <laughs> time's up <laughs> you talk about being sex positive in the book mm -hmm. can you explain to anyone who's unfamiliar with sex positivity what it is um being sex positive is yeah it's just about the not being shame around mm -hmm. sex and that no type of sex is kind of better or worse than another type of sex and basically that you can be a slag and have fun <laughs> <laughs> and it can be a positive experience that's what being sex positive means to me anyway mm -hmm. so after you had the idea for the book, what was your path to kind of getting it published and turning it into not just an idea? Uh, I wrote a proposal, which you have to do when you want to write a book, which is like a, a little bit of the book, mm. <laughs> which you do for free, <laughs> which sucks. No, <laughs> it was fun, it was fun. Uh, and then I sent it to my agent, who I already had from illustrating the other two yeah. books. And she was like, yeah, I think I can get this published. And then That's eventually good. she did. <laughs> so that was great. And what is what do you like as a writer? Like, what was your process when you were doing it? How do you divide your time? Do you have any sort of strange rituals, or do you <laughs> do you have to be at a particular table in a particular cafe doing these things? Um, and when I say writing, I mean both the writing yeah. and the illustrating. I'm using writing in that sense. I probably like it's probably twenty five percent of the time I'm writing and like seventy five percent of the time I'm drawing because it just mm. takes a lot longer to draw things than it does to write things. Um, and I, yeah, I do it all from home on my kitchen table or mm. sometimes my bed if it's just writing mm. um, but yeah drawing is, requires larger equipment mm. uh, yeah I'm a really big procrastinator I, I can only work between the hours of 9 and 5 and by 9 and 5 I mean 10 and 3 <laughs> <laughs> and I have a two and a half hour lunch break every single day Really? so really I work from 10 till half 11 and 2 till 3 <laughs> and it's the dream lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> that does sound quite dream what do you do in your two and a half hour lunch break uh i see my mum like every day <laughs> or i see i yeah i find that like even though i work alone I, I 
because I'm like known as like the person that doesn't have a proper job now amongst my friends. If someone has like a random day off, they'll always like be like, "What are you doing, Flo?" And I'm like, "Nothing." <laughs> I've got so much on, but I'm like, "For you, nothing." And they're like, "Do you want to drive me to IKEA?" And I'm like, "I'd love to." <laughs> <laughs> so like, I always like, and I, I live in like quite central London, so I can cycle to almost anyone's office for lunch, and I do that a lot. Mm. Yeah, I'm a very social person, and I mm. I always try to see someone. If I have a day where I don't see anyone, I get a bit depressed. Yeah. Do you see that as productive time in the sense that it's sort of... I remember we had someone on uh, who talked about how watching TV was composting time for them (laughs) in the sense that you can't always... Creativity isn't just when you're actually doing the physical act of creating something. Um, Yeah, productive time is quite a funny phrase. I see my life as one big fun time <laughs> and I like hanging out so I do that as much as possible like maybe I only work so I can hang out more <laughs> um so yeah yeah you can't work all the time that's stupid I'm actually very passionate about the four-hour work day I could go on a whole rant about that mm. about how it's a con that we're meant to work eight hours a day and no one actually works eight hours a day I used to have a proper job I used to work in an office none of the others would work in eight hours a day I saw them on Twitter and stuff it's four hour work day absolute max personally I do two and a half <laughs> <laughs> so how do you cope with distraction and stuff because I mean if you're doing two and a half it must be a pretty focused two and a half yeah yeah I'm really good I mean at you've got to book it out <laughs> <laughs> I have actually done some work <laughs> marvelling at this miracle um, <laughs> how do you handle the dis- distraction because it's sort of harder than ever with like you say Twitter and obviously friends who sort of assume that you're always available how do you focus with difficulty but yeah working is slightly more fun than scrolling endlessly on twitter i find so just about beats that Mm. (laughs) Mm. um but yeah i I let myself get distracted as well i think like working is for me like it's it's a balance between forcing yourself to work and knowing when it's better just to stop Mm. and not feel guilt about that and Mm. try again tomorrow because mm, mm, mm. I think I think guilt is really unhelpful. It, like no one ever created a great work of art because they were guilty they weren't doing it. Mm. So I think just let let go of that. And if you if you want to watch Place in the Sun in the afternoon, no one's going to die because you did that. <laughs> what is your relationship like with social media in 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 general? Because um, you are quite prolific and you have to be because mm. it's a great showcase. Both Twitter's a great showcase for you know humor and writing. Instagram's a great showcase for your illustration. You yeah. post a lot of your work on there. What is your relationship like with social media? Complicated. <laughs> yeah, I. It's obviously there's. It's. I'll start with the good stuff about social media, which like I mentioned in the book. I like. I really enjoy how you can kind of craft a a different media for yourself that mm. isn't the one that we're trying to be sold like you Mm. could you know I love following lots of different like sizes of people who post really hot selfies of themselves I follow like quite a lot of sexy people who post sexy content and like I've got this created feed that like is my interests and like diversifies my mind and Mm. is much more than I'm going to get from opening a newspaper Mm. and that's great and I wish I could just have that for 25 minutes a day but I find the kind of addictive nature of it completely toxic. And I think that nothing will kill your sex life more, like sitting on the sofa next to your partner watching TV, but you're just actually both scrolling on your phone Mm. Mm. in your own little bubble. And that that makes me quite sad. And I think that we should all have make an active effort to stop doing that so much. 
Do you make an active effort to stop doing it? Yeah, I really, really... I don't like going on my phone when I'm with someone else. Mm. Like, Mm. and I I find it quite rude when other people Mm. scroll. Yeah. Publicly. Scrolling is only for the toilet. (laughs) 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 Or maybe for like the first 15 minutes to make you open your eyes in the morning. That's when I do it. (laughs) You've spoken in the past about growing up with famous parents. You're father is Grayson Perry, the artist. Is he? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But is he? (laughs) Um, And your mother is Philippa Perry, the psychotherapist. How aware of that when you were a child were you? This idea that you had these kind of two national treasures sort of for parents. I mean, people forget that they really were not famous until I was 12. So... (laughs) I had a normal childhood. Yeah, yeah. And then when I suppose when they did become famous, is it strange that people kind of know who your parents are and I suppose ask you when you come on a podcast about that? Yeah, it is strange that everyone knows who my parents are and it's strange they think they're cool because most people's parents are lame. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But apart from that, no, I mean, I don't know any difference. So this is my life and Mm. it's as strange as any other part of it. (laughs) With the book... What is it that you're hoping to achieve? What kind of conversations would you like to spark with it? I think any conversation. I just want people to talk about sex more. Mm, mm. And I want, like, I feel that with the whole Me Too movement thing, a lot of the conversation we've had in the media about sex is negative and sex as a source of trauma, which for a lot of people, of course, it is. But I would love to balance those conversations with sex as a source of joy Mm. and fun for women, which hopefully it mainly is mm. yeah I just want people to have to talk more about sex and it to become less taboo and something that is more part of our everyday lives mm. or three times a week life <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you but I certainly I found that my experience of sex education was woefully inadequate and it was sort of the bare necessities so to speak and I know that this is being changed and that the curriculum's having a revamp um all the same, I feel like there's so many issues that are addressed in your book, mm. uh, whether that's being comfortable in your body, uh, choice about you know your pubic hair and that you don't need to wax it all off, whether that's just the issue of consent that could be taught at a younger age. What was your experience of sex education like? And you know, if it was as bad as mine, when did you start to question that? Yeah, I was crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like everyone's, it was just focused on not getting pregnant and not getting chlamydia, mm-hmm. and that was like the headline. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing about having fun or what you should feel like, mm-hmm. or you know, yeah. I remember the funniest thing I remember is one girl asking uh, my teacher what an orgasm felt like mm-hmm. in the class, and I remember thinking she doesn't know what an orgasm feels like <laughs> what a loser <laughs> I've been doing this on my own for ages <laughs> and the teacher didn't just say like well you can find out yourself she actually said it felt like a sneeze um, <laughs> I remember being like it's coming it's coming and then it, and then it comes and I was like not bad Dr Smith <laughs> um, but it could have done that uh, how funny I wonder if she had been prepared for that question she was very calm and collected about it. But yeah, I think it, like, it doesn't focus on the emotional or the physical pleasure side of sex at all. It does just focus on 
not getting pregnant and not getting chlamydia, which is very important and mm. actually way harder than you think. <laughs> but mm. Um, <laughs> mm. still, yeah, it needs to it needs to be better, definitely. So when did you become aware of that inadequacy and start to question the, I suppose, question the negative attitudes we have towards sex, the the opposite of sex positivity? When did you first become aware of that as a movement? I don't know. I think uh, I had a, a lot of one night stands at university, like, and I think that I got quite like quite judged like a negative reaction from peers occasionally mm. about that, and I was like, why am I? I have a great time. Mm. <laughs> I'm hardly getting chlamydia ever. Mm. <laughs> Doing really well, guys. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that you kind of, you suddenly realise that not everyone thinks like you. And mm. that, yeah, you talk to your friends and you see that for a lot of people, sex is a source of anxiety. Mm. Um, and it, it's meant to be fun. Mm. And so I just want to tell the world that it, it is really fun. Mm. <laughs> Um, so obviously you're busy promoting this at the moment, but do you have any idea what you'd like to do next? Is there anything you're looking forward to uh, either for the rest of this year or even next, seeing as we're approaching the end? <laughs> <laughs> if I ever manage to do anything with my two and a half hour work. <laughs> I, I don't believe you did a two and a half hour day. I need to find out more about this. Um, yeah, I know. I feel I feel self-conscious saying my hopes and dreams out loud. <laughs> I would really like to do fiction. I'd really like to write a graphic novel. Really? Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's a possibility. Mm. You have to say these things out loud, otherwise you don't do them and you just watch yeah. Place in the Sun forever. And also, you never know who might be listening. And so, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have to pay me thousands of pounds. <laughs> Um, are you a big graphic novel fan? Yeah, I'm a massive graphic novel fan. Are there particular ones that sort of influence you? Um, Alison, I always pronounce her surname wrong. I'm really bad at this. Alison Bechdel, um, or Bechdel? Bechdel, is like my idol. Uh, mm. She wrote Dykes to Watch Out For and mm. Fun Home, and mm. I love her completely. Mm. And I think that Dykes to Watch Out For is just the funniest comic strip ever. Mm. <laughs> It's funny, I, I don't know very much about comic strips mm. or graphic novels, um, but I always think of them as being a bit of a kind of like macho sort of space with full of comic bros. Um, is that something that's changing or is it still? Um, yeah, I think that there's definitely, yeah, like comic strips traditionally are about superhero stories. Mm. That's what we think of. And I've hardly read any of them. Mm. Mm. Um, I've just read comic stories about love <laughs> written by ladies mm. <laughs> which there are a lot of out there mm. and they're really great mm. 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 well we're running out of time so I'm going to let you go soon but before I do um, just one final thing uh, which I ask everyone which is if you could go back and give your younger self uh, one piece of advice what would that be? that's tricky I mean part of me wants to say that I don't want to give her any piece of advice because she's she's done great <laughs> um I always think like I got into Bristol and I went to Durham why'd I do that but um <laughs> I think maybe I needed to get really bored at Durham to achieve the things that I've achieved now I mean I've had a like I am very body positive and I've had I've come to this like acceptance of myself much earlier than most people but yeah it would be great if I at age 17 I, I knew you don't have to be you don't have to have a flat stomach and you never will so stop trying mm. <laughs> like mm. 
that would be a great thing to know. When did you come to that realization? Oh, I don't know. Maybe today. <laughs> 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 no, I, yeah. Um, it happens gradually. You, you, everyone goes through a phase where they're like, "Oh my god, maybe I could have abs," and then you realize, no, no, abs are not for me. Mm. Mm. I probably wouldn't be any happier if I had abs because mm. I wouldn't be able to eat any cake. um on that note uh flo thank you so much it was such a pleasure talking to you uh and everyone listening how to feminist sex a fairly graphic guide is out now it's really funny it's really original it's really surprising i really recommend it so that's it from us thank you so much for listening to the sunday salon please do share your thoughts about the episode with me i'm on twitter and instagram at alice azania and more importantly If you're enjoying the podcast, please do rate or review it. Uh, It makes me really happy, uh, but it also boosts its position in the charts. So I'd be very grateful. Uh, Until next week, thank you very much and goodbye. Goodbye.